Welcome to this week's episode of Pour Another Round, where we're here to discover and share the stories behind the breweries filling up your glass. Today, we've got Jake from Eagle Park Brewing and Distilling Company in Milwaukee and Muskego, Wisconsin. We've been wanting to talk with Eagle Park for a while now. Regularly in beer conversations, people are constantly telling us, you should talk to Eagle Park, or have you been to Eagle Park? Eagle Park, Eagle Park. So we're finally excited to, we're, we're excited to finally be with Eagle Park and talking with Jake and having them on Pour Another Round. And Eagle Park is not only making a name for themselves in the Milwaukee area, but really nationwide. Uh, they're on popular beer lists and brewery lists all the time. So uh, the fact that people keep asking us about them is is definitely uh, a telling sign of, of how successful they have become in the last five years. Exactly. And there's a couple different stories about how they got their name. One is on their website in the Frequently Asked Questions, and Jake shares the accurate one in this conversation, but we, we highly recommend going and checking out the story <laughs> on the website. Uh, and from music to beer to spirits, Eagle Park has loved creating things that people love consuming for a while now. So uh, all of it, they're just creative people. Eagle Park is available all over Wisconsin and Illinois, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, and in a self-admitted, it doesn't make sense, Portland, Oregon, and Boston, Massachusetts. But now they can say that they are available coast to coast. Coast to coast. So it does make sense, I guess. I, get, I think so. <laughs> so grab yourself a beer or spirit, and if I may, recommend some Fernet, as you'll mm -hmm. hear more about in this episode, and enjoy our conversation with Jake from Eagle Park Brewing and Distilling Company in Milwaukee and Muskego, Wisconsin. Cheers to our sponsors. Did you know you can get your very own Pour Another Round swag? And it's super easy to purchase from our merch collection. Just head to pouranotherround.com and click on the shop. Pour Another Round t-shirts and hats are available in a variety of colors and sizes to make all your drinking pals jealous. We've also got custom Pour Another Round draft top 3.0s, assorted handmade beer coasters, and Green Bay Beer, A History of the Craft, written by our very own... Cameron Teske. We're so proud. Hey, that's me. I can't say enough about these shirts. So soft and comfortable and really just perfect for drinking beer in. And the patch hats look fantastic. Head over to pouranotherround.com to place your order. Orders over $50 receive free shipping with promo code free ship. <laughs> I'm Cameron. And I'm Jonathan. We, we like beer. beer. We're a podcast by beer lovers, for beer lovers, and with beer creators. Some of our best stories start with beer. Now it's time to make beer the story. Each Hoppy Pour has been on an often unexpected journey to become the brews you love. So pour another round and drink with us as we explore the stories behind your favorite beers and breweries. And if you like beer, like breweries, like some bad jokes and great puns, and like this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you can learn about all of our upcoming breweries we have on tap. Today we're here with Jake Schinker from Eagle Park Brewing and Distilling Company, that, and they have locations both in Milwaukee and in Muskego, Wisconsin. We've had Eagle Park on our list for quite a while, and so we're excited to finally be here with you today, Jake. So thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us for a while. Thanks for coming, guys. So, Jake, you co-founded Eagle, Eagle Park with two brothers, Jack and Max. Talk yeah, I'm the non-brother. You're the non-brother. So how did you get involved with a duo of brothers and to open up a brewery here together? Weirdly enough, we all kind of grew up in the same area but never hung out in high school. They come from a pretty big family, so I always just knew them as the house that always had a million cars <laughs> in the driveway. 
But after I came back from college, uh, we ended up crossing paths and we're all into homebrewing and music and kind of started there. Well, before we get into the beer, talk about that music and your and your passion for that because I think that was from from what I read that was really a passion of Jack and Max before getting into really the the beer industry and they were in a band together. So, how did you fit into the the music industry and and talk about? I guess they were they were a pretty successful band. So, talk about that history before or that story before we get into the beer part of it. Yeah, sure. So. I was also a drummer at the time. I don't really have time for it anymore. Um, <laughs> turns out I'm a little busy with other things. But yeah, back then we were all kind of in bands and doing the Milwaukee music scene thing. And it was kind of this mutual creative outlet that also spoke to a lot of the things you can find in homebrewing. And I think that's kind of the crossover we found we all love together. Um, this creative process of working with people and creating things for others with the goal of them liking them it, right. music and beer yeah, have create something that people want to consume whether it's audit audit audibly that a word audibly through their audibly. through their ears audibly. or through their <laughs> mouth <laughs> sure we'll, we'll, we'll just make up words it's fine <laughs> yeah and i was mentioning to you too before we started recording that i crossed paths with with jack and max years ago too and in the music scene and at Summerfest and working with them uh broadcast for travel wisconsin I knew them in the music scene and, and actually ran into them a few times in the last, you know, handful of years. But so cool to be now here at, at Eagle Park and, and, you know, we're not talking to them. We're talking to you, Jake, but, but still kind of crossing those paths is, is a small world. Still small wonky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do, do you guys, uh, ever get back together and have like you as a house band? Those guys do a show. It's been at least once a year. Okay. But back in before this all happened, they were touring all the time. Oh, fantastic. All over the Midwest. They were really, were really aggressive good. with it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Hmm. And then to here now. It's uh same amount of hecticness and, <laughs> but uh in a different way. Yeah. So going from the music scene and then go moving into the interest in homebrewing, what, what really spurred your interest in and I, I guess spurred your interest in homebrewing? How'd you get started in that? Just like anyone else, honestly. Just kind of well first obviously got into craft beer first. Mm-hmm. Which where I went to college, it wasn't really a big thing yet, down in Louisiana at that time, and kind of came back to the Midwest after school, and it was this thing that kind of blossomed when I was away, and the bar up the road from our Muskego location, Maddie's, is where Max was a bar manager. Oh, okay. So he was curating this amazing list of craft beers, and it was all these new flavors to me, and just like kind of this new horizon, and they were homebrewing at the time. And like, well, this seems like a cool hobby. Let's do this. Yeah. So I uh, got started in the kitchen and my mom didn't like that. <laughs> so any, uh, any, kicked out pretty quick. Yeah. Any, any accidents that uh, made her super upset? Because we've heard some, some home brewers that got kicked out of their parents' kitchen and said, get out into the garage because something bad happened in the kitchen. Yeah. I was doing it with my dad at the time and <laughs> there was some boil overs yep, and yep. messes were made for sure. No. So uh, you just, we're talking about Jack and Max. Uh aggressively touring with with the music scene so you three are now homebrewing and, and kind of making that really a passionate hobby and there was seems like there was some sort of a life decision do we keep pursuing this this music scene or what's kind of our, our next step so how do the, how do you how did they how did you kind of go from let's go hard in the music but let's let's slow that down and let's turn this beer passion into literally our professional endeavor now those guys started off pretty early on with the intent of trying to open up a brewery so that was always a goal they both came from service industry, so bars, restaurants. They knew 
how to do that side of it. Mm-hmm. And that's such a big piece of breweries nowadays is that customer experience when you walk in the doors. So for us to have that kind of lockdown and then work on the other part of making good beer to also serve to people, it seemed like a natural progression. Then with kind of my skill set of what I learned in school and what I still do now for the company, it kind of just made sense. We had these three different skill sets that all worked together to make a brewery. Sure, they complemented each other. Yeah. And what were those skill sets that you each brought to the brewing table? So Jack's always kind of been like the mad scientist. He's always <laughs> he's always been super into like the culinary world and always been okay. a good cook. Every time they have a family gathering, they he is the one doing the cooking. Sure. And so he's been our lead brew guy since the beginning, always developing recipes. Then Max is definitely more the business side. He handles all the numbers nowadays, but back then it was how do we run a bar? Yeah. And a lot of that experience he gained helped us to be successful in the beginning. And then uh, I went to school for digital art, so I handle pretty much everything you hear or see from us nowadays, whether it be social media, websites, label designs, that kind of stuff. Okay. Very cool. So I, I want to read you a quote from your website, Jake, and, and kind of have you react to that and, and tell us what, what that means to, to you guys here at Eagle Park. So the quote is, we know the craft beer industry is flooded with fly-by-night labels that warrant no respect. We won't be one of them. How did you guys decide you were going to be able to excel above that fly-by-night you know, label? And, and what does that really mean to you guys you know, deep, deep in your, your roots of starting Eagle Park? Yeah, so that was written like in the, the starting phases of our first taproom before that was even open. Okay. And I think it kind of spoke to, at that time, that we didn't want to just make three beers and that's all we're going to do and it has no soul and just shove beer down people's throats. <laughs> And there is brands that did that back then, and I think it's still prevalent now. Like the seltzer industry right now is crazy. But there's Mountain Dew hard seltzer, and <laughs> yeah, like, like it hasn't it's gone like away. Hand at this point, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I think it was kind of this more mentality of like we're gonna make things that are good, and people are, or we hope people appreciate them because they are good, not because we paid for marketing to tell them that it's good. Sure. Well, and coming from the the uh, music scene. I think there's there's also a quote on your website that says something about through beer you could tell stories of your passion for music and vice versa. So like how do you intertwine those two and and do you think that's part of that soul that you're talking about with your beer that you have a passion for music and you you played the music out of passion, you have a passion for beer so you make beer with passion and then you also kind of intertwine the two passions. So how do you how did that work out in your favor and how do you intertwine those two? Yeah, so I kind of touched on it before, but there's a definite crossover in everything from like developing recipes, kind of like writing a song with a group of people. There has to be compromise and creative input. And then, like, when you're trying to, like, I guess the contrast of like a style of song versus a style of beer, like, you're going to appeal to a certain demographic of people. And our goal as we've grown is to try and make something that is appealed, appeals to a wide range of people different styles that's why we have so many draft lines and we added spirits into the mix and things like that hard seltzers it's because we want people to have a good time and the best concert is when a band can entertain a wide variety of people so we're kind of like trying to play off that and make the experience the same as like our a great day in our tap room is like a really awesome concert sure you, you uh, just said that you know back back when you guys were sort of forming this whole thing there were some breweries out there that were just whatever pumping pumping beer out so about what 
what was the year that you guys really got started in the pursuing pursuing this tap room and when did you guys officially open as eagle park brewing we opened in early 2017 so we just broke five years didn't have a party yet but it's in the works for (laughs) i think we're tentatively june 18th right now okay not officially announced but unofficially mark that on your calendar then yes (laughs) pencil in for now (laughs) by the time this comes out i'm sure we're gonna have the event up and everything so (laughs) what we started probably like a year and a half before that okay officially like really going for it you guys didn't get started in either one of your current locations there was a former location correct then then Milwaukee and Muskego so talk about that earliest Eagle Park location it was strange (laughs) um (laughs) okay go on (laughs) so for those that are familiar with enlightened brewing in Milwaukee they had started in the second floor of this Lincoln warehouse on first and Beecher in Milwaukee and it was just this tiny little unit that they brewed one barrel batches of beer in and had a walking cooler that was way too small and <laughs> turns out when you're making things that are liquid that are very heavy being on the second floor is not, not a ideal. good idea someone's <laughs> got to carry it up huh it's, it wasn't fun <laughs> so we didn't have much money starting out we were home brewers sure it was basically like a way to legally sell at a homebrew scale so we contacted those guys because we knew they were moving downstairs to a bigger spot they were doing really well at the time and still are doing amazing. Sorry, that sounded bad. They're <laughs> <laughs> still, do, still doing good. They've expanded even since then. So obviously things are going pretty well. Yeah. But we added a tap room next to it. They never had one. Oh, okay. And it was small. It was basement rec room sized. An article just like came up on my Facebook memories and like the title of it was uh, Milwaukee's newest brewery is also its smallest. <laughs> and I'm like, things have changed. You gotta hang your hat on something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, back then it was really cool it was just kind of like this secret like speakeasy vibe because it was hard to find we didn't have any signage because the building wouldn't let us put it up and (laughs) but like it was this cool thing that people discovered and would show their friends because it's like oh i know this cool spot (laughs) and then since we've moved out of there and moved to our hamilton location component brewing took that over so they got their start there and now i believe there's another brewery going in so it's kind of turned into this good spot it's like an incubator incubator for sure Let's pause before we move on to talking more about, you know, where you are now today and stuff. We, I've already been sipping on it because it looks, looks delicious and it does taste delicious. So let's pour our first round here and talk about the beer that we have in front of us and, um, and kind of where, where this idea and concept came from. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is Setlist IPA. It's by far our number one year round beer. It's a hazy American IPA. Uh, so we distribute this throughout the state of Wisconsin and beyond. It's kind of become, uh, our interpretation, like, we make a lot of hazy beer yeah. on like the crazy stuff that's higher ABV, more hops, that kind of thing. We took that and kind of toned it down a bit so we can get, it's more economical. Like people can pick up a six pack and not worry about it too much. Yeah. Hops are expensive, it turns out. But because <laughs> a lot of our other beers, like it's, they're in 16 ounce cans. They're big, boozy. Like yeah. you drink those on a weeknight, you are dedicated. <laughs> yeah. This is something that, you can order one. You know it's going to be good every time. You're still going to get those juicy flavors, that hazy IPA craze kind of thing. And we're super proud of it. So what expensive hops do you put into this particular uh, setlist IPA? Uh, we don't disclose it. No, okay. None of your oh, beers, you, you have your uh, hops recipes all sealed on your, recipe, on your beers? Our year-rounds, we don't disclose. Okay. Interesting. Okay. What was the thought process behind that? Because you see a lot of people will put like you know the, the most popular hops, like we got the Citra, we got the Mosaics. Like, why, why was that decision made? It's more of like when these recipes were developed, that wasn't a thing. Okay. 
consumers have become so much more educated over the last five years that they actually know what like mm -hmm. galaxy hops are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when you put that in a can, cool. Yep. But I'd rather tell more about like what the flavor profile is for, cause this is meant for everyone, not just like the hyper beer nerd. Yeah. It, it's super good. I, I, I've mentioned before on, on previous episodes that I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm kind of over the hazies at this point, but this is, this is a really good one. And it's, it's almost, and maybe it's not meant to have this, but this is what I'm tasting at the end is, is almost like a fruitiness, sweetness right at the end of, of taking a sip. Yep. Um, so it, it, I wasn't exactly sure how you were going to describe the beer because I do get a little bit more fruitiness than what I'm used to in, in like a normal, you know, a standard hazy. Yeah. We're definitely, um, for people, who like say they don't like IPAs. Mm -hmm. That's the reason Hazy's done so well. It's because yeah. it kind of went away from the early 2000s, like this bitterness craze, all the IBU wars of, right. oh, we're doing like 110 IBU <laughs> IPA. Like, <laughs> you can't drink that all the time. It's insane. You can't taste anything after it, right. that's for sure. <laughs> so, like, we wanted to kind of play on that Hazy thing that was already so popular in our tap rooms, but then make something that is available to much broader audience. And by keeping that bitterness low, accenting those fruity flavors from the hops and kind of having this good balance really helps out. Yeah. Yeah. So set list IPA and it's available year round from, from Eagle Park. And you got that music, music, uh, yeah, music tie into tie the into, there too. Yeah. Yeah. We try not to be, uh, overly on the nose with it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's a really good beer. I like it. I highly recommend. It. And my favorite thing that I read about Eagle Park uh, on your website is that you guys believe a good story is the key ingredient to good beer. And we couldn't agree more uh, for another round. That's obviously what we're trying to do here uh, is get the story behind each one of the breweries. So talk about how a beer tells a good story when it comes out of Eagle Park and what's the story that you want it to be telling. These are all weird because like they're all <laughs> written so long ago. It's, it's a history lesson here. It is. <laughs> I'm that's currently like one of my big projects is redoing the website right now. So <laughs> this might be the catalyst to do that. Cause like that was a long time ago. Let's write this all new again. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very good. R and D work. <laughs> Back then it was a lot easier cause we didn't have as much or as many beers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we could tell more of that story individually. And I think that's more migrated nowadays into the story of our brand and building that trust with craft beer consumers of when you order something from Eagle Park, you have a certain quality standard to expect. Mm. And we always like to tie it back to having a great experience inside of our doors. And then that plays into someone ordering our beer and remembering that time when they're at a different bar, they're at home, that kind of thing. So as far as stories, it's more of a, a feel, I guess. I would agree with that for sure. I think, what do they say? The, uh, like the memory and the nostalgia starts with the... Like you can you can remember smells better than you can remember really anything else, and then taste is obviously aligned with that too. So, well, yeah, when you when you're drinking something and you have a great time, that's what you're gonna remember is what what went with that whole great time. So, yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, and and you have over 400 beers now, right? That you guys have brewed. So that's that's a lot of stories. <laughs> yeah, it's too many. <laughs> <laughs> so, how often are you? Do you have kind of a a formula or like a schedule on how often you're rotating out beers, having that over 400 beers that you've brewed now? We have slowed down. Very, very fast. Okay. I can imagine um, 400 beers would be hard to keep up with. So <laughs> we still do to make like new recipes pretty frequently. But now that we have this kind of large book of beers that people really like, I get reached to out on um, Instagram all the time. Like, when are you guys bringing this back? The ones that did really well or people liked a lot, they'll come back once a year. If they're really, really popular, we've turned those then into quarterly releases. 
So that right now is Goon Juice, Bottoms Up, Demon Haze, Billy Ray Citrus is a, a seasonal for us. What a name. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> it, one of my favorites. Has, has, has Billy Ray walked in here by chance ever? That'd be fantastic. Uh, if he does, I will. I'll drive hours. <laughs> I don't care where I am. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll have we'll, we'll have to uh, tag Billy Ray Cyrus on this episode and tell him there's a beer that he should come and try. <laughs> Billy Billy Ray Citrus, fantastic. And are are the same beers available at your Milwaukee location as in Muskego, or are, is there different beers available at each taproom? It's different right now. We're about to do a renovation downtown, so we're adding more draft lines. A couple other things. We're going to be shut down a couple days, but it's been in the works for a while. We're trying to get a lot of work done in a short amount of time. Is that how it always goes? <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see how smoothly that goes. <laughs> right. But after that, because right now we have, I think we're like 24 lines down there and we have 66 in Milwaukee or in Muskego. Oh my goodness. Wow. So substantially different. And yeah. are all 66 of those tap lines here in Muskego Eagle Park or do you have guest lines? All our beer. All, so you have 66 different beers on tap at a, any given point. A good portion of them are mirrored right now. As far as draft lines, but then beyond like that list of draft, we also have can offerings because we yeah. don't have enough lines. Right. So yeah, it's our menus yeah. extensive. So that's, <laughs> that's a lot of decisions. Yeah, that need and to that's, be made. <laughs> that's fantastic. Talking about you just you know you you started in 2017 as a one barrel operation, kind of just a way to sell homebrew beer, and five years later you've got 400 beer recipes. You've got 60 some tap lines in Skigo more in uh or i guess less in in milwaukee but how do you grow that fast that big in five years more gluttons for punishment <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna say that sounds especially with a two-year uh pandemic going on in there yeah that threw a wrench into things for sure <laughs> no we're just always i guess since the beginning we've always been really good about putting everything we can back into it reinvesting investing in equipment investing in people really concentrating on have quality products and I mean, we didn't even start distributing beer until like a year and a half ago at this point. Oh, wow. Like on a large scale, at yeah. least. I mean, there was kegs going out, but nothing like it is now. And we're still growing. Wow. I mean, we just like, for example, this time last year, we did 20 barrels of Loop Station for like the three winter months. Oh, my gosh. And we just did what? I think it was like 80 barrels for like a month and a half or something like that. <laughs> so a little different. So, yeah. It keeps going, which is cool. More people keep hearing about us, but I know we have a long way to go just from talking with people out in the public and like, I'm still running into people on a regular basis. They're like, who's Eagle Park? You do what? So that's always cool. I was just about to counter that though, because just on on an arbitrary example or anecdotal example, I think we've, we've been doing this now for 14 months or so. And I would say at least once, once a week, if not more. Someone will say to me, "Have you been to Eagle Park yet? Have you tried Eagle Park? Eagle Park? Eagle Park? Eagle Park? Like, okay, or, or I know we're tagged on we're our working on social it. posts or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Eagle Park comes up a lot. And I'm up in Green Bay, and Jonathan's in Madison, and I'd say Eagle Park comes up in most beer conversations. I think we're really well established in the craft beer community, mm-hmm. like people that are into this. But we have so much more to grow outside of that. And if that's our Frost of air, that's awesome because, like, we want to educate people. That's why we have all these different beers. So, we're going to find something that doesn't turn someone off of craft beer right away. If this is their first experience, we want to be the best at it. So, when someone who is not into craft beer walks into a brewery that has 60 tap lines, that could be overwhelming, also. So, like, how do you, how, how do you approach them and how do they approach you? Of like, let's just ease into this and, and here's kind of like, what, what does that look like for Eagle Park and how do you introduce people to? 60 different tap lines. So 
obviously with that like pretty substantial regimen of new beers all the time, keeping our staff up to date on what we're coming out with. Uh, we have to do it way ahead of time. Like we're sending out our release schedule for three weeks is available to our bartenders, uh, full descriptions, that kind of thing. So we always try to make sure those people behind the bar are always of a wealth of knowledge if you, they need to be. And then generally, if someone is just confused and wants some to kind of get the lay of the land, always flights. Every beer we have on tap, we offer in a half pour. Okay. Um, it's been a big thing for us for a number of years now because of the variety we do. People generally get like a flight of our like new releases and then like a pilsner on the side. Sure. It's a lot of beer for one sitting. But, <laughs> yeah. I imagine those flights, though, do well here at Eagle Park because I, for me, if I had 60 beers to choose from, and there would probably be a good majority of those that, that would interest me. So being able to get a flight and how many beers come in a, in a flight for Eagle Park? Um, a flight we constitute as three half pours, but okay. it's... We just give like a discount at that point. You okay. can order as many as you want. That's, tw- okay. that's 20 flights to get through them all. <laughs> I think challenge accepted. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, we'll be here a while. <laughs> I can say it's been done. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, it was a big table, so like understandable, but it was a lot. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> so now we're now we're challenging all of our listeners, I guess, to come and try all of the beers at Eagle Park. And <laughs> Please bring do, friends. Yes. yes. Get a t-shirt, check them all off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you need to start like some, like a, like. Try every beer, do a, you know, get yourself an Eagle Park t shirt. <laughs> I don't know if I want to reward that behavior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, it, do it safely and responsibly. Yes. <laughs> so, with all of those beers and the, the varieties that you have and the, the constant rotating, is there a, a kind of a, a niche or a specialty that at Eagle Park you like to kind of hang your hat on of like, this is something that we're really proud of? This is something we're doing really well or something that is your most popular kind of beer style that you're doing right now? Definitely. I mean, we talked about it before we hit the record button but we're definitely known for like our ipas our fruit beers and that kind of stuff that's definitely what made us popular Mm -hmm. but the biggest goal since we've started having having that success with those styles is diversifying sure so i mean hamilton we ripped out the brew house down there and now it's all oak fermentation of wild sour ales okay that's something we've always wanted to do but turns out not enough people drink that style <laughs> to like run a business off of it usually they're <laughs> a niche market it it's difficult to do but if it can be something that diversifies our selection and something we can do at a high level we're definitely going to offer it same thing we just launched a traditional lager series first one just came out what two weeks ago a hellas and the branding looks completely different it's a huge emphasis on using like traditional ingredients and processes and not cutting any corners and making really awesome loggers. But people who know us as Eagle Park from afar or have never been to our locations, they just know us for IPAs and fruit beers, mm-hmm. but we make all these different things. Other things like our barrel age program finally just taking off because <laughs> we haven't had the space or time or money to fill barrels at the scale we wanted to. And this year we went from like, 52 barrels i think it was and now we are over 300 you can see all right here and, and we'll, we'll get into the spirit side of, of eagle park as well but while we're on the barrels is that is that barrel storage from 50 to 300 is that for beer aging or is that bourbon in those barrels as well that is all beer it's all beer and so you, so you have your distillery operation separate then yep legally i would guess I, yeah yeah, yeah there's I, a bunch I, of red that's a stupid question i don't know why i said i knew the answer <laughs> 
Um, well, before we get into the spirit side of it, shall we pour another round and, and talk about one more beer and uh, a little bit more about Eagle Park Brewing? Yeah, let's do it. Great. Cool. Don't go anywhere. Pour another round. We'll be right back after we pay our beer tab. Who doesn't love a good beer special? With Real Craft Pass, you can get two-for-one beers at nearly 150 Wisconsin breweries. That's buy one beer and pour another round for free. This is Wisconsin's biggest BOGO brewery booklet. And guess what? What's that? Pour Another Round listeners can get 10% off any Real Craft Pass booklet. Just use the code POURANOTHERROUND at realcraftpass.com. That's real with two E's like a fishing reel. Not only is there over $800 in savings at Wisconsin breweries, but craft passes are also available for other states like Michigan, Wyoming, Montana, and even New Hampshire. Just visit realcraftpass.com and at checkout, use the promo code POURANOTHERROUND. So Jake just poured us another round, so tell us what we got here and talk about the beer. Yeah, so uh, this is our first ever member's beer barrel pick we've ever done. So here at Eagle Park, we have a pretty substantially sized member program. Just give people who see the value in it coming here a lot the most value or the most opportunity to have discounts on stuff, access to events early, that kind of thing. So we do events every month. And if you attended last month's event, you got a ticket and a drawing and we drew 10 names to pick this barrel. So. So this is not a members only beer. This is a members like they they were able to select something. Both. Both. So the general public can not walk in and drink this beer. It's almost gone already. Fantastic. Well, we're, I, we're I feel very honored that we right got now. some. It's <laughs> delicious. Uh, so is the is the membership is that like comparable to like a mug club at a brewery or or very different? That plus a lot more. Okay. I think we have like 15 different perks. And like the base of it is, or where it started. So we've done this since we opened our doors and kind of, I attribute a lot of our success to having the original intent was to kind of build this regular crowd. Yeah. And rather than have like a happy hour for anyone who wants to walk in, offer that same deal just all days of the year. And so it's dollar off beers and dollar off flights, that kind of thing. Merch discounts, the list goes on. So how can someone become a member if they're interested? It's all available on our website. You don't even have to come in and register. It's all digital platform. Okay. That was a big project we tackled <laughs> this year. It kind of turned into like an unwieldy beast that we were doing with like Google Sheets and was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> Listeners can head to the Eagle Park website. All the details on the membership program are there. They can sign up right there if they want to become a member and get all these cool perks and discounts here at Eagle Park. And barrel-aged beers. And barrel-aged beers. Yeah, so we've been... Like kind of now that our barrel age program is to the size we need it to be, we've done a members barrel age beer monthly for oh, wow. since like January. If that's not a reason to become a member. <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> or it was even since like yeah, like December last okay. year. So cool. yeah, those are super small releases. They're available. We have like monthly member parties where people can come in and reserve the back room here out at Muskego and do a limited release for those guys and. It's been barley wine, been cuvées, stouts, all over the board. So what is this one we have here? What was the base beer here? And, and do you guys talk about the barrels that you put it into or what style barrel you put it into? Or yeah, is sure. That, is that a secret as well? No. Uh, <laughs> we're actually polar opposite with our barrel age beer. We're very transparent. <laughs> uh, can, I, can I guess, was it Buffalo Trace? Um, no, we don't use any <laughs> Buffalo Trace. Oh, so weird. <laughs> <laughs> These were, I believe, Four Roses barrels. Okay. 
So we have, I believe, seven different stout bases now okay. that are in barrels. This is the base that we use for our melt series, which is all like single origin cacao nibs. Oh, okay. The actual melt beer, the final version of this before we or after we actually add adjuncts and everything. Um, we make a bunch of different versions where each one is a cow nib from a different region, specific farms, that kind of thing. And each are so uniquely different. You wouldn't think there's that much variation, but some are super like tropical fruity. And then you get like really deep, just like baker's chocolate on some. And it's awesome. But this is the base of that. And it was so for that barrel pick we did, we kind of pre-screened and pulled down barrels that we thought were cool. Just kind of part of our regular process of maintaining this program and we had a bunch that were eligible like on their own as awesome beer and we would have been happy if our members picked any of the ones we gave them and they landed on a really cool one i'm happy with it so what what, what is the process that goes into selecting which like as a member what, what's the process look like to select that it's pretty laid back <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah a lot of sitting around taking samples mm-hmm. talking about it we always encourage people whether it be barrel-aged beer or whiskey or whatever we're doing to kind of keep your thoughts to yourself at first because mm-hmm. there's so much power suggestion right, right. in spirits. Like, you can tell people there's a flavor profile and it instantly pops into your head. Oh, it's yeah, happened no, everywhere. No, I get that. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely more fun when everyone can kind of take their own notes and then there's crossover. And that creates a really cool experience where, yeah, this person also tastes this weird thing or it triggered that same memory. <laughs> and... Yeah, it makes it a, even for people who don't know a lot about beer or consider themselves like a very developed palate, it's educational, it's very like entry level, but also you can get as nerdy as you want with it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to get a little bit of a, ahead of myself here with this question, but talking about your barrel age program, we are going to be talking about a little bit your Eagle Park distilling operation, and you obviously have some bourbon here, which obviously gets aged in a barrel. So are you going to do any brewing, distilling, aging back and forth there? It's already happening. Happening. Fantastic. Oh, no. That's the coolest part about this beer. I forgot. Oh, no. The coolest part. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. There's always a lot going on here. (laughs) This was... So our bourbon currently, we're not old enough as a distiller to have our own, so we source bourbon. Okay. Okay. But the first batch of that source bourbon we did, we dumped all the bourbon out and then filled it with our beer. Fantastic. This is the first barrel, I believe, to come out of those quote-unquote eagle park barrels amazing that's that's amazing actually i like that eventually down the road that is kind of the grand vision of like a enclosed ecosystem Mm -hmm. so we'll see how long that takes bourbon's a you gotta be patient (laughs) (laughs) well i i've had again we're getting ahead of ourselves here a little bit but uh i think there's well for me anyway i was always under the assumption that in order for it to technically be bourbon that it had to be aged five years in a in a virgin oak barrel but not true if it's under five years, you just have to put, you have to put the, the year of the youngest barrel or something on there. So I've had a two year aged bourbon out of somewhere in Minnesota and it was surprisingly good. When you see two, you're like, eh, it was, it was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I think that was, that was a surprising thing that I learned about bourbon is that it does not have to be at least five years. I believe they, I could be wrong. I think they reduced it to four now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much plays into that. It's climate, it's size of barrel, it's, your base recipe that you're putting into it, the proof of that liquid that goes into that barrel, all influences how long it has to stay in there. Pretty much industry standard, like big brands right now, it's in a 53-gallon barrel, like what you usually see, Mm -hmm. and then like four to five years. 
But if you go in like a smaller cask, they make everything down to like a like a three or four gallon now. Okay. They're, they look comical next to like <laughs> the full size. But your aging process goes so much faster. But it's not a one-to-one comparison. Like you're not getting the same product. Just because you get that oak flavor faster doesn't mean it gave it the time and evaporation and temperature fluctuation that it needs to kind of develop as a rounded whiskey. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why we've opted to take the time, do it how we want, and sure, it's going to kill us every day for five years, potentially four if we're lucky, but when it's ready, it's ready kind of thing. So before we before we get really, I guess, farther into the distilling process, I want to talk about one more thing on the, I guess, core of, of who Eagle Park is, and that is the name Eagle Park. There's two different stories out there. One is a tall tale that is a little bit more fun, and then there's one that's kind of, in comparison, a relatively boring story. I'll let you decide which story you want to tell on how Eagle Park got its name. So I'll keep the story a secret. If you want to find it, it's on our website. There it is. So tell the boring story then. But uh, <laughs> the reason we came up with this lavish tale is uh, because the real story uh, lacks a, did I say the sex appeal? <laughs> it's literally the cross streets that the two other brothers um, grew up on and where we all started homebrewing together, where their band practiced, just kind of uh, the geographic location of where it all started. So the beer origi- originated on the corners of Eagle and Park. Eagle Trace, Eagle Trace. and Deer Park. There it is. So Eagle, so that's where the band name came from, too, The of Jack and, and Max's band, which is named Eagle Trace. Yes. So, but there's, that, all, that all stems back to where they grew up. There's a much more fun uh, Tall Tale story on the website, so I would yeah, highly so recommend go, check it out. go check that out. And they're frequently asked questions, I, I found out. <laughs> I really have to look at that again. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a little bit to ask Jake to tell the story. <laughs> So you've got we we've talked a lot about your locations both in Milwaukee and then Muskego. You said there's some some expansion of of tap lines at the Milwaukee location. How did you kind of decide on where to where to end up in in the current Milwaukee location as well as the current Muskego location? Why why here and how did that decision come to be? Yeah, so it had um, a first floor. Was that was, was that the main, <laughs> that the main option? Location, location, location. <laughs> no, it's just kind of a a good situation that. At the time, we were in that small space. That, for us, was just kind of a proving ground. It didn't, it wasn't crazy amounts of money. We weren't in like huge debt or anything like that. It was just like, can we make beer at a caliber that people want to buy it from us? It's a good start for. Yeah. <laughs> if people are buying your beer, it's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as that was kind of solidified and we were like, okay, we know we can do this, we know we want to do it. I mean, it was a career change for all of us at that point. Right. So. There was another brewery in town that was going out of business, and it kind of was everything we wanted. The thing that was different than what we wanted is it included a restaurant. Okay. When we first started, like, restaurants are a different animal. That's what we keep That's hearing. What heard. <laughs> it's just, like, such a different, because we're a manufacturer at the core of it, but then to also add in this entire different business model, it's a different set of concerns, problems. Skill sets. Yeah. But. It was too good of an opportunity to pass it at that location. So we're like, okay, we know how to do food. Let's give it a shot. Let's try and find the right people. Turns out it was the best decision we made because when people are hanging out, drinking, generally you need some food to back that up. Keeps them around a little longer. It does. Yeah. And it was just kind of another way for us to appeal to more people and uh, get our brand in front of more, more faces. So you mentioned Jack's passion for 
for culinary as well and being such a good cook did did he kind of craft what that initial menu looked like or was he the first head chef or no <laughs> that, i that might have killed him <laughs> <laughs> to, to do the brewing and the cooking yeah. side of things yeah might, he, he would have never had a chance to sleep i suppose no we've uh since the beginning with our food program we've worked with people that were in the industry didn't really have their chance yet okay. and gave them this outlet to be creative and use the vendors they want to use if it's hyper local that kind of thing and that comes with its challenges because there is like parts of being a restaurant where it has to be efficient like you have to get food out to people on the right amount of time so it's been a learning curve for all of us involved in this business top down and we keep developing that program now adding a second location like our service models are different i mean they're vastly different size locations so like the menu has to be different because you can only make so many orders of one thing before you're pulling your hair out and behind <laughs> and people are angry yeah so other than the sizing difference in the two locations is there a, a difference in in atmosphere or experience or what uh what what you know comparing the two locations what is the difference if any in the experience that people are going to have so our downtown location it's what, it's over like 120 years old now? The building itself cool. um, was part of like an old tannery complex. It was their garage slash horse stable. Oh. So that is like a very old, like Cream City brick building, huge skylights, very warm, cozy. But the taproom only seats, what, 98? And that's pre-COVID. Right now it's still reduced for us. Yeah. And we have a big old patio down there, which like triples our seating during the summer. But it's still substantially smaller and cozier more neighborhood vibe it's all surrounded by apartment buildings and in like when we used to work down there it was just like the nicest place to sit outside when it was nice in the morning because uh -huh. we didn't have offices so i was just like <laughs> on a picnic table on my laptop right and it was just kind of like watching people walk their dogs by and but yeah compared to out here there's this kind of catch-22 in our industry where a good location for brewing beer like as a manufacturer generally is not a good spot for or an appealing spot for a restaurant it's a big box tall ceilings it's not inviting so that was kind of our biggest challenge here is taking that front half of the space and splitting it up in ways that it doesn't feel echoey and huge it still has a bit of that because you can only do so much but i mean you can be sitting upstairs or like if you're sitting on the first level in the main area you can be completely unaware that there's another 150 people sitting upstairs. And that's intentional. From what I saw sitting in your taproom in the Muskego location for about 20 minutes as I was kind of prepping for, for this episode today, it is packed in there and people are constantly coming in and out. So whatever you've done in there to lure people in is clearly working. It's, it's, working, it's, yeah. it's popular here. I will say that is a, a thing we've been working on. It was far from an uh, overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> we knew coming out here because we all grew up, what, less than five minutes away. And Max worked right up the road. Like, we knew this area needed a brewery. And people, when we first announced the location, like, are you guys crazy? Mosquito? Really? Because they were thinking we were going to go to, like, Madison or something like that. But we knew that as what we wanted out in this area was a brewery, this kind of experience. Why can't be, we be the ones to provide it? Mm -hmm. So now getting beyond, like, we had the following of people that were in, into craft beer. 
and now getting our name beyond that to people that are just part of this community has been the really fun part and challenging part because we are different. Um, we're not serving Miller Lite. Like, if that's all you drink, we got to convince you to drink something else. We have a light beer on tap. Give it a shot. Yep. So, between that, like fish fries, it's about more about being a part of your community, and each location is trying to be an enhancement of the neighborhood they're in. And they're, they're very different locations. You do have to offer very different things. You, you mentioned you're near Brady Street, which is kind of a, you know, hipster, if you will, kind of neighborhood. And out here is very, I'm sure, a little more family-oriented kind of neighborhood. And 100%. So, yeah, you have, you have very different brands to be, but still be loyal to your own brand. It's a challenge. Yeah. But we, uh, we strive to make people happy every day. As you should. When beer makes people happy. So, <laughs> you're probably doing it right. Beer, beer and liquor. <laughs> well, liquor, let's, let's talk about the distilling operation here. So, you have, you, I think your official name now is Eagle Park Brewing and Distilling Company. Yes? Yes. So, how did you break into the distilling scene or the distilling industry, the distilling process from a passion of, of beer? And talk about that a little bit. Ever since the beginning, we knew that, not that we knew, but we were always passionate about cocktails, specifically whiskey, mm-hmm. emphasis on bourbon for a long time. And as consumers, that's what we like. So if, kind of the whole overarching mantra is like, if we think something's cool, hopefully other people do too. <laughs> do, do what you love and other people will follow. Yes. Mm-hmm. So spirits is very... It's a different thing than beer, substantially. Like, there's a lot of process that's shared, but the way it's the consumer base is different, the way people or it's marketed to people, the type of environment people like to drink it in. It's just the list goes on. Yeah. And learning that and trying to tie everything together has been a challenge for sure. But we're happy to kind of like have something else. It puts our experience in people's heads of like, hey, I have a group of 10 people. And I want to go to a brewery, but one person doesn't drink beer. We wanted to solve that problem. But you also sort of joked about the red tape that it takes to have a brewing operation and a distilling operation. And it's it's far from a joke because there's a lot of serious things that need to happen to keep the separation of church and state, if you will. So how do you how did how did Eagle Park do that? You have a huge brewing operation. We're, we're back here on your brewing floor. So where's the distilling operation and how did you kind of separate the two and make sure that you can do both successfully the really weird part to us is brewing beer takes so much space distilling takes almost none (laughs) like in comparison it's ridiculous you can build a really really like high volume distillery in like a fifth of the space it takes to do a comparable amount in beer and for us to kind of like shoehorn it in the space was difficult with like the legal red tape there's a lot of I mean, how many layers of drywall do you need to, like, make it fire compliant? <laughs> That's not a real thing, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, like, we can only store certain things in certain rooms because of code, and there's, like, tax things where, like, our cooler can only have beer in it. Our, we have a barrel room. It's not really hold, It's mostly holding full liquor bottles at this point because we just don't have enough storage. <laughs> but, like that's a whole thing and you'll notice like signage everywhere of like this is tax paid this is unpaid and like things have to go through paperwork to move from one room to another I, we, as we were walking back here on one of your liquor lockers if you will i saw something about tax paid on there so yeah keep yeah we are legally required to keep label those things that. yep that's wild 
it's do you, it's a lot. Do you drink more liquor now that you have a distillery based on all of the red tape that you had to get through? <laughs> I would. <laughs> it's uh, definitely helped me uh, keep my uh, New Year's resolution of lose a little weight. So it's been a lot of vodka, keeping the calories low. There you go. How far into Eagle Park's journey did the distilling become part of the picture? What, year four? Well, probably like three and a half years in. To start, we found a head distiller. He was based out of Colorado and worked at Breckenridge Distilling. I love their bourbon. So his resume kind of came up on one of the sites we posted the job for. And we're like, let's just give him a call. There's (laughs) no way he's going to say yes, but let's do it. From from Breckenridge, Colorado to Muskego, Wisconsin. Turns out he's originally from the Twin Cities area. So he's Midwest guy. Yeah. He was looking to get back in the area. He was looking to kind of part ways from... So he was at Breckenridge, and then he kind of left and started doing consulting on the side. It's a big thing in that industry. Guys do that all the time. So these are that's how all these like celebrities and people start their brands is they contact a guy like that. and Like, hey, make me a whiskey. Make me a tequila. So it's becoming more and more common all the time. Mm-hmm. But we kind of had this open slate of like he could create something from the ground up and that excited him and that was cool to kind of offer and got us off the ground that's for sure because i mean like i said it's a completely different world and just having that kind of head start and be able to make a high quality product out of the gate was huge for us since then he has gone back to consulting it was kind of a a mutual parting of ways like there was no hard feelings whatsoever he's just down in chicago now so like if we need him, he's close. He's close, and he comes up here on occasion to do like new recipe development for us. But we kind of know enough now to do it on our own, which is fun. We can put our creativity towards it now, rather than like trying to channel it through <laughs> someone else and be like, "Just trust us," or like, "Please." <laughs> so, so Jack is the head brewer of beer. Is he also in charge of distilling, or is there is there actual like do you need do you need different people to do that legally as well? Not legally. Okay. Technically, Jack is our head distiller right now. <laughs> We're working on kind of expanding the program right now. And right now, it's capable. Jack's capable of taking it on. But with what we're kind of trying to do with the program, it's going to need its own head distiller. Like some sanity back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying not to break him. <laughs> so you, you talked about some of the, the differences between having a distillery, having a brewery. But what's something that that maybe shocked you or that, that really surprised you guys in starting the distilling piece of it that, that you didn't really expect and whether that was a hurdle you had to jump over or something that, that happened really successfully for the distilling side. The biggest trouble is that people are so brand loyal. Yeah. Spirit specifically. Like vodka drinkers have their bottle. They buy every single time. It's not like a craft beer drinker going down a shelf and like, Oh, this can's new. I'll try that. Yep. People don't take as many risks. So like trying to build that trust of someone trying something for the first time is so hard. Yeah. And like with, with craft beer, if your IPA tastes different than their IPA, that's sometimes a good thing. Like let's have some fun with it. But if there's, if, if I drink your vodka and I try this vodka over here and it tastes different, like something's off in my normal cocktail here. So. Yeah, it's definitely less risk taking. So how do you combat that or how do you how do you overcome that challenge? Big industry vodka. It's all been based around like having the least flavor possible. 
And then Kraft kind of came in like, we're going to do the exact opposite. We're going to give it like a ton of character and ours is going to be different from this other distillery across town. And yeah, that's awesome if you're into it. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be a real tough road to kind of win that consumer over. So examining that, we kind of knew it going in. So our vodka is very, very middle of the road. It's corn-based. Wisconsin. Yep. Works <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of cl- corn around. <laughs> but it's just kind of a, a good all-arounder. Like, sure. you can do anything with it. Our water out here in Muskego, it's notoriously hard. Okay. Generally bad for most people's situations, but for beer and spirits, it's amazing. <laughs> there, that mineral content is what kind of gives it this, like, silky mouthfeel and almost like a... Like skim milk almost is kind of like, it sounds weird, but you'll, <laughs> when you drink it on its own, it makes sense. You get it. Sure. It has like this viscosity to it almost just because of that mineral content. And that's enough to make vodka unique. Mm-hmm. I have the utmost respect for distilleries that like have super awesome vodka. I love drinking it, but to make something that is going to kind of like support our whiskey dreams, it better to appeal to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, even look, looking at your lineup here, I see you have two different gins. There's a, there's a clear gin, and that's kind of the one that I would think of, you know, whether it's the, the, the macros of Tangray or Bombay. Clear. But then you also have a pink gin here. I've never heard or seen of a pink gin, and it's it's colored like you would normally think of a traditional bourbon. So, like, what what's the difference between your gin here? And talk about, talk about that. So, they both start as the same product. Um, it's actually just our same, like, our vodka gin and the pink gin all start as the same thing. It's all essentially what you guys would know is Everclear, just high-proof corn alcohol. Vodka, you take that, filter it, water it down to the proof we want, that's vodka. And then for gin, we kind of do that same process, but then you add your botanicals, you kind of make a slurry with it and extract those flavors. And then the difference from the regular gin to the pink gin is we take our base gin and we aged it in Pips Mead barrels. Um, Pips Meadery is just south of the border into Illinois, one of the most highly rated meteries in the world we're fortunate enough to have them in our backyard and have that relationship to kind of get our hands on some barrels and it has like this beautiful honey note to it it's really really cool and then we also have a lineup here of you mentioned your vodka you talked about your bourbon as sort of contract bourbon right now but you're working on your own bourbon is it is it currently aging your own bourbon is it currently aging so we currently have barrels away of bourbon and then big focus of ours is going to be single malt whiskey okay there's a lot of crossover between the beer world and single malt, and we kind of want to play off that. American single malt is definitely a infantile category right now. There's not a lot of distilleries doing it, but it kind of has this cool place that eventually people will, we hope, really value because it kind of puts, it's a beverage right in the middle of bourbon and scotch and kind of bridges that gap. What we're making is not scotch. We can legally not call it that. Mm -hmm. It is single malt whiskey made in the same way, yes. But we are taking a different approach to make it its own unique product. Most scotch you have, like traditional scotch, is made in ex-bourbon barrels, so they're not fresh oak. We're going to use all virgin oak for our single malt. That's a huge difference. It's not going to be aged as long as scotch because we have a better climate for it. Like, over there, it's so cold, that's why they have all these crazy old scotches. It just takes forever. Okay. Here, we're temp-controlling all our aging, so we can do it in the same time bourbon's done. When you think of scotch, you think, I, I think, 
super peaty. Is that also a characteristic characteristic of single malt whiskey? Or even depends? in the in the Scotch world, there's a lot of big brands that make peaty Scotch. As far as like the broad spectrum of what Scotch can be, there is Scotches that are you would think it's Irish whiskey or bourbon, but there's a lot of different like regions to Scotland, and that's kind of where their style names come mm-hmm. from. Certain styles were popular in certain parts of the country. So it is not necessarily a flavor profile that is attached to process. You actually have to use like peated malt to get that flavor. We don't use any currently, but we plan on a little bit of it. But we're going more for like it's basically a amber or a barley wine, like that type of base. Mm -hmm. And then we distill that down. It's just like that's what it means. Single malt, like a very simple recipe, Mm -hmm. no hops. And you get the smash beers, the single malt and single hop beers. Yeah. Single malt whiskey. Simple. Same idea. Simple. So that's all it is. Is like we have just like big fermenters full of beer that it is intended to go to whiskey, like the recipe is specific. Don't get me wrong. But at that point, it is just 10% beer. And then you take that, run it through a still, and we get single malt whiskey out the other end. Okay. And then this last bottle here, Fernet. I've heard this word before. I, I feel like I've heard of, I don't know that I've ever had Fernet, but I feel like I've heard of it. So what, what is Fernet? This is our baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a total industry thing. Okay. Like restaurant industry, yeah. bartenders. People like, love Fernet in the industry. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just something you do shots of. Yeah. It's minty, it's bitter, it's aggressive. But like are, are a, you a Malort fan? Is anyone a fan? <laughs> yes. 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 This guy oh. right here is. Compared, compared to Malort. Like, we talk about Malort all the time here. I, I like love tolerate Malort. it. Yeah. But <laughs> I tolerate it because everyone else hates it. So it's just fun. No. So it's kind of yeah. a similar thing. You're I think too people stubborn like, to admit how terrible. I actually like Fernet. Oh, come on. Well, let's <laughs> let's let's pour around a Fernet here while we're while we're on the topic. We can do that. Let's do it. <laughs> that looks that looks way darker than Malort. I'm excited. It's darker. All right, Jake. So you said Fernet is minty. It's gonna be bitter, herbaceous, bitter. minty. It smells really minty. So, so you said this is Eagle Park Distilling's baby. Talk it, about talk about Fernet as a base product, and then talk about how how Eagle Park makes it their own as well. Fernet. So this this like subsect of spirits is something that's very regional. They all taste very different. They kind of it's not something that's big in the US, but other parts of the world, like this is a very culturally significant thing. Argentina, for example, like they're one of the biggest consumers of, or I think they are the single biggest consumer of Fernet in the world, but they just mix it with Coke. Like Fernet, Coke. Just Fernet and Coke. It sounds weird, but it's delicious. Huh. And Fernet is, it, it's like a, a bitters, right? We have to classify it as a bitters just okay. legally. Like, there's a lot of things you have to say on the label. <laughs> but it's a aperitif. So, like, after dinner drink kind of thing. It settles the stomach kind of. You can have, like, a massive bowl of pasta. Take one shot of Fernet and just, like, ten minutes later, you're good. It's, Another bowl it's, of pasta it's, coming it's right up. Yep. <laughs> the, the complex aromatics start you on an amusing and well-balanced carousel of the entire list of botanicals. It's a lengthy list. I like that. I like, I like the idea of a carousel in my mouth. Definitely like the big brand in Fernet is Fernet Branca. That's what 99% of people, when they hear Fernet, that's what they've had. It's behind most bars that 
like our industry bars, you'll find it there. Okay. So we knew we loved that flavor, but we kind of wanted to make it our own. That's a product that's not made anywhere near here. My dream, our dream. <laughs> you can speak for everyone else. You're the, one, you're the one talking here. <laughs> <laughs> like if this could replace every bottle of Fernet Branca in the city of Milwaukee and just be like, that's the new industry thing. Yep. That'd be so cool for me. I would agree for sure. Just like, <laughs> it's, it's never going to be a bestseller. Never. Like it's, 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 it's a niche weird. Market and people, the people who love it, love it. Yes. Yeah. It, Malort. Look at Malort. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times Malort comes up. But I uh so I think Jonathan also is, but I'm a member of the Bitters Club on Washington Island. Yep. The, the you know the traditional Agnes store bitters, which I was really disappointed with the shot. It wasn't like anything super cool. This I've never had Fernet before, and this is uh there's a little bit of spiciness to this. Mm-hmm. And I would say this is a way better experience than just a shot of Agnes store bitters. That's this rough. Is, this is yeah. That I that tastes like you licked a Christmas. Tree. I didn't mind that. That was just kind of like mm, that was, was a letdown. Yeah. This I will say this the the this Fernet Eagle Parks Fernet it it smells a lot more minty than it tastes. I think a I, carousel it, of botanicals, smell, Jonathan. Right in smelling it, I was like, <laughs> oh gosh, I don't I don't know how I'm gonna feel about this. But it actually it tastes pretty good, and it's not as like it's not a you know Doctor McGillicuddy's med- no mint <laughs> flavor menthol, it, menthol she wants yeah. some cigarettes um right it it smells a lot mintier than it actually tastes and it certainly has a minty flavor but it it's it i was a little nervous going into it but it actually <laughs> tastes pretty good yeah it, like i think if you go into it with the right expectations malort has this bad habit of people <laughs> buy shots for people who don't know what it is damn right they do and then you're in a bar <laughs> and you like slug that thing back and you're like Oh my god! It lingers. I just licked it the bottom of a trash can. But it's the shock of it that puts people off. Yeah. If you know what you're getting into, right. like you can prepare yourself for it, and like that's what helps you, your palate kind of break things down and right. appreciate it. Yeah, and, and a malort, malort has to be shot. This fernet, you can you can sip on this and enjoy yeah. the experience. It's. <laughs> I hate that it's even like in the same category. <laughs> well, we, I brought up Malort, so that's my apologies. I'm just I'm letting people know that this is this is nice. This is this not is Malort, nice. and it's much better <laughs> than <is> Malort. <laughs> that's oh, that's the best review. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just uh, you know, Malort has all their social videos of like how terrible Malort is. So we'll just we'll start some social videos about Fernet, and it's much better than Malort. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the whole shtick. <laughs> That's the, the litmus that, test actually. in Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from Fernet, we have these other four bottles here. What is your proudest spirit that you make other than Fernet? Honestly, our vodka. It yeah. sounds super boring, but like... People love vodka. We have won awards that I never thought we would with it yeah. in such a short amount of time. World Spirits Competition gold medal in San Francisco this year. Last that was, year. That was the first one. Last year. We're in the new year now. So since then, we have cleaned up at ADI this past year. Okay. We not only got a gold, we're best in category, and then I forget what the classification of the last one was, but basically, like, we destroyed people. So I'm, I'm not a vodka drinker. I love it in a Bloody Mary, but what, what sets a vodka apart from other vodkas? Or your vodka from other vodkas, I suppose. It's subtle. I'm not going to lie. What I was talking about before, like the mouthfeel of it, the vodka as a a blank slate is so, there's so little to it that such little difference can make the 
biggest difference. Right. Um, I mean, you can taste it. Like, obviously, people have that had that experience of drinking like Ciroc, Tito's, Grey Goose, like the big guys. Like, yep. they all taste different, and it's not much, but like you know what you like. So, yeah, vodka is a weird one because, like, by definition, it should like, be bland. The legal definition is like a a flavorless clear spirit. <laughs> so how do you how do you out unflavor someone? Right. Yeah, but it's it's the bottled water industry. <laughs> no, but there is like there is difference. It's not as extreme as bottled water, but right. Ice Mountain for the record. <laughs> that, that's your yeah. The Sony can suck it. It's a hell of a hill to die on. <laughs> Okay, your spirits from Eagle Park are available in your tap room as well? Right now, they're only available at our Muskego location. Okay. Um, We are working through the red tape, uh, once again, of getting them at our other location. But as laws currently stand in Wisconsin, we're only allowed two tasting rooms for spirits as a distillery. But breweries are unlimited, so like it's weird. So where's your second tasting location then? Muskego and... Well, we're going to do it at Hamilton.com. Okay. So just kind of giving our spirits a, so many people don't know we do it yet. And I mean, that's partly because we're busy and we can't spend as much time on it as we probably should. We're getting better all the time. We've been making so much more of it lately. So it's like, it's going in the right direction, but it's going to be a long haul to like get people to associate Eagle Park with beer and spirits and make them equal. And as our goal eventually. So in your tap room, are you selling like tasters of your spirits or are they in mixed drinks generally? Or how are you kind of selling them, selling your, the spirit side of Vigo Park out of the tap room? Kind of however you want it. Okay. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, one of our more uh, popular staff drinks is car bombs. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> we, <laughs> so like it gets as weird as that. Like, we're not like pretentious or anything in any way. <laughs> so in in a traditional car bomb, it would be Irish whiskey and Irish cream, cream. which leads me to your vanilla cheesecake cream liqueur, uh, which yeah. sounds that like sounds amazing. The greatest version <laughs> of a car bomb so I could delicious. possibly imagine. Is it, that in it? Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my and gosh. then we okay. do you want to go to the tap room. So we're going to the tap room to do some car bombs. Podcast and let's go to the tap room. <laughs> we'll be back. And then we usually do it with like a coffee stout, so it's like this coffee cheesecake thing okay. going on Absolutely. and we'll, okay, yeah. so we'll be doing that before doing we that. leave yeah. uh there is a gray-haired gentleman behind the bar he is the father of max and jack um, and his name is todd we'll find todd. todd we'll find todd man the myth the legend but if you ask him to do a car bomb he's the one who's instigating it most of the time okay. so we, we never actually mentioned max and jack's last name borkart Borgart. Borgart. So todd borgart is the guy you want to find at the tap room for your your car bomb. to do car bombs with you yes <laughs> mr borgart but what I was getting at <laughs> yeah, we <get> is uh, <laughs> that we do everything from that to like really beautifully crafted cocktails. Sure. If you want a like a vodka soda or like a rum and coke, we can do that. So it's just about once again making people happy. Mm-hmm. Where can you make people happy regionally? Where where can people find your products on a distribution level? So spirits wise, we're available through the entire state of Wisconsin right now. Obviously, we're still a small producer, so it's not like you're going to walk into every store and find us. But if you have a store near you and you want us there, all you have to do is ask. It is physically and legally possible to get it there, no matter where you are. 
beer-wise, we are in entire entire state of Wisconsin, Twin Cities area. We just launched all of Illinois. And then I think we're in a total of, what, seven states now? Fantastic. Illinois is by far the biggest out of those. The rest of them, we're basically sending like a couple pallets of beer a month. like, And that's spread out super thin. Like stores are getting like three cases of beer. And when it's gone, it's gone kind of thing. Just limited drops. And like it's not the main push of our distribution. But it's cool to say like we have beer that far away. Yeah, for sure. And so outside of Milwaukee, is it generally retail or is it a lot of bars, whether on tap or in cans too? Depends on the state. Okay. Wait, the question was Milwaukee? Outside of Outside of Milwaukee. Milwaukee, we're drafting cans pretty much all over the place, but outside okay. of the state, it depends. Okay. There's a lot of the states that we distribute to, it's only cans. Kegs are a different animal for like <laughs> logistics and warehousing. Well, and nightmare. you said you were until relatively recently self-distributing, so the kegs i imagine becomes a little bit more difficult to transport yourselves <laughs> yes it's all still like very new too like we're still sure. growing and like we could even do better like just in milwaukee like we send beer out really far but it's just because we think it's cool <laughs> and portland people, i saw on the list portland's there we do what boston yes yeah, so a big so one for you're us on the literal opposite sides of the country shipping yeah, your beer. that's pretty cool it doesn't make sense on paper it's cool to do that <laughs> yeah. you're you're literally eagle eagle park beer coast available to coast. coast to coast yeah. <laughs> i think we're not technically coast to coast yet but we're, we're boston to there. portland you can't get more coast to coast than that i want to get to the beach baby oh fine <laughs> santa monica call them <laughs> <Okay>. up <laughs> close to coast to coast yeah <laughs> well uh jake before we go we have one final question that we always ask people on porn of the round if you are not drinking eagle park products what do you find yourself kicking back to enjoy your time off of work beer bourbon whiskey booze spirits juice water yeah yeah which, which bottled water is your favorite a big one <laughs> <laughs> honestly big whiskey drinker okay. of all types mm-hmm. my collection is something that my significant other doesn't appreciate <laughs> everyone's got their faults yes <laughs> that and high life okay guilty champagne. pleasure champagne and beers but Sometimes after you get back from work and doing this craziness yeah. all day, like milkshake IPAs and smoothie sours and barrel are the best. It hits different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what what kind of whiskey do you like? Do you like uh, American bourbon? Are you an Irish guy, Scotch guy? We talked about that all, all bit, over the place. All of it. Okay. Um, I wasn't a big Scotch guy for a long time and got into it over the last like year and a half. Okay. And PD or not PD? That was kind of my big barrier to entry that I didn't like and. I found out that scotch is more than just peat. Yeah. And kind of went down the rabbit hole and got closer and closer to like the tire fire of <laughs> scotch that is possible. <laughs> and and that's, I think that's the fun thing too, where, you know, during the, during the IBU craze, if it, if the, if the hops weren't going to wreck my mouth, I didn't want to drink the IPA. And I'm generally a, an American bourbon, Irish whiskey fan. But if I'm going to drink scotch, I want that smoke to just pelt my mouth. So I yeah like when when there's an intense option I'll take that most of the time. I'm totally the guy to like find a store that just has a good selection and find something new. Okay. As long as it's we know enough people that are like into it that I'll right. if I'm not sure about something I'll text someone quick and like is this worth picking up and it doesn't always have to be expensive or rare no. or like people stand in lines for stuff like there's so much good product on shelves beer spirits all around just like be open to trying new things. Mm. 
That's how you find what you like. Cool. Well, Jake, thanks so much for chatting with us today, hanging out with us here at Eagle Park and and putting up with us. (laughs) (laughs) All from Alert Talk. (laughs) Yeah. Did you know that they have a bourbon, too? Oh, it's real good. Jepson's bourbon. Yeah. Jepson's bourbon. Are you guys familiar with Amon's? Just out. No. She was out in Wind Lake liquor store. Okay. He did a barrel pick of Jepson's bourbon. Really? It was amazing. So, <laughs> so Port of the Round uh, brewed a beer with Henry from Mopcraft. Yeah. And Henry would love to get his hands on anything like Malort related to age a beer in something Malort related. So there's uh, there's going to be that option soon. Good luck, I, Henry. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we'll try and help. So, so some people do Jepson's bourbon, but no, we'll go one step further. Yeah. Cameron's like a Malort influencer. So. <laughs> you guys aren't sponsored yet? I've been working at it. <laughs> we should be. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh for all of our <laughs> listeners head to eagle park in milwaukee or muskego wisconsin and where you'll find eagle park brewing company and distilling and while you're here be sure to tell your beer tenders um, that you heard about about eagle park on on pour another round and don't forget when you're here to pour another round for us or when you're finding eagle park distilling or uh, eagle park spirits i guess or beer around the state of wisconsin and beyond as a, as a favor to Cameron, can you pour from Fernet for us? I want I want you to pour Fernet for yourself and us. That's your favorite. That's my favorite. Yes. Okay. So pour a round of Fernet or the cheesecake carbon. Yeah. Okay. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm on board. For well, that. all right. So, let's go do that then. <laughs> okay. Well, visit Eagle Park. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Jake. Cheers, Jake. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pour Another Round. Be sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pour Another Round. We'll be sharing news and information from breweries who are friends of the show. You can also find out what we're drinking and hear about upcoming featured breweries as well. Until next time, be sure to pour yourself another round. <laughs>